the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is that great day of Pentecost. Yes, it's Pentecost. And on this day, the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Last week I mentioned briefly about how we cannot understand Pascha or experience Pascha if we never go to Vespers or Orthros and hear those hymns. And this is true for any of the feasts. So today, I would like to read large portions from the hymns from the Vespers last night and from the Orthros this morning so that we all can understand what the church is trying to teach us through this feast. Because in liturgy, we may not get the fullness of the meaning of this feast. The first hymn, Come, all people, let us worship the one God in three hypostases. The Son is in the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Father, outside of time, begat the Son, co-eternal and sharing the throne, and the Holy Spirit was in the Father, glorified with the Son. One power, one essence, one Godhead, which we all worship and we say, Holy God, you created all things through the, the Son by the cooperation of the Holy Spirit. Holy Mighty, through you we came to know the Father and the Holy Spirit came into the world. Holy Immortal, the Comforter Spirit, you proceed from the Father and rest in the Son. O Holy Trinity, glory to you. We learn what the Trisagian hymn is all about. It's a Trinitarian hymn, speaking to each of the persons of the Trinity, and yet as the hymn keeps on weaving together, all persons of the Trinity are in all persons of the Trinity, and all are at work together in unity. How about this question? What's the Holy Spirit? We're all Christians. We all know the Holy Spirit. If someone were to ask you that question right now, what is the Holy Spirit? What would you answer? It's not very easy. You could use some words. Here's what the hymns of the church say. The Holy Spirit forever was and is and will be, never beginning, never ending, but forever ranked and numbered with the Father and the Son. He is life and life-giving, light and giver of light, goodness itself and the source of goodness, through whom the Father is known and the Son is glorified, as in we cannot know Christ unless we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is light and life and is a living noetic fountain, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, good, upright, noetic, ruling, purging offenses, God and deifying. He is fire issuing from fire, uttering, inciting, distributing the gifts of grace. Through him the prophets and the apostles of God and the martyrs all were crowned. Strange to hear, strange to see, fire distributed for the apportioning of the gifts. There's a pretty clear answer of what the Holy Spirit is. And through the hymns of the church, we also learn that we never are separated from Christ. I know I spoke about that sense of feeling orphaned, but that's a sensation within us because we're never separated from Christ. So said the divine mouth of Christ to his disciples, O oh, friends, when I am seated on the throne in heaven next to my Father, I will pour out abundant grace of the Spirit into the souls who long for it to shine. From my love you shall thus never be separated. We also learn that the Holy Spirit cleanses and forgives our sins. In another hymn, 
All you children of the church who are illumined, experience the fire-breathing dew of the Spirit, forgiving and purging our sins and offenses. The hymns also teach us about what Pentecost is, not just what the Holy Spirit, but what is Pentecost. For one thing, it is an undoing of the Tower of Babel. We heard just in the Kentuckian a few moments ago, it says, once when he descended and confounded the tongues, the Most High divided the nations. And when he divided the tongues of fire, he called all men into unity. And with one accord, we glorify the All-Holy Spirit. And in another hymn, it says, tongues were confused once because people dared to build the tower. Tongues now obtain skill for the glory of divine knowledge. There, God condemned the impious for their transgressions. Here, by the Spirit, Christ illumined the fishermen. Then discord was contrived as penalization. Now a new concord has arrived for the salvation of our souls. So you see, we learn that in our ego, we try to build ourselves up to make ourselves into God. And God then confounded all the tongues. And now the disciples humble themselves and they receive the Holy Spirit and are brought into unity. We also learn that Pentecost, which is our own personal Pentecost at Chrismation, is a fire of refreshment. When the wellspring of the grace of the divine spirit came down to those upon the earth and into fire-bearing streams, parted noetically, it refreshed the apostles and led them to the light. The fire became for them a dewy cloud and rainy flame illumined them and we in turn through them receive divine grace by means of fire and water. It's a rainy fire, try to explain that, a dewy cloud. Lastly, we learn that the Holy Spirit is the source of all wisdom. All wisdom. And that theme of the fishermen becoming wise, we have to recognize how completely uneducated and unlettered fishermen were in this time. And yet they were able to accomplish such great things through the words that they received from the Holy Spirit. A hymn said, Truly incomprehensible is the most divine Holy Spirit's grace. It made unlettered fishermen erudite speakers, who by their brilliant preaching stifled many sophists, and who drew out countless people from the deep and dark night of ignorance. The Holy Spirit taught wisdom to the unlettered. He showed fishermen to be theologians. He wields together, he welds together the whole institution of the church. That beautiful image that the Holy Spirit is welding all of us together, the entire church of Christ. And I'll share another hymn that wasn't in the services, but this is from St. Romanos the Melodist. He says, Brothers, we shall hymn with praise the tongues of the disciples, because not with elegant speech, but in divine power they have revived all men. Because they took up his cross as a rod, the fishermen took the cross as a rod, so that they might again use words as fishing lines and fish for the world. Since they had speech as a sharp fish hook, since the flesh of the master of all has become for them a bait. It has not sought to kill, but it attracts to life those who worship and praise the all-holy spirit. What a beautiful image of fishing for the souls of the entire world. So this is what we learn about Pentecost and about the Holy Spirit. This is what the church teaches to us and reveals to us. 
Pentecost also reveals the nature of the church, the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit forms the church into what it is. The gifts of the Holy Spirit vivify the life of the church. And today I want to focus just briefly for a few moments on one of the gifts and how it impacts the life of the church. That's the gift of gratitude. We receive grace, we become aware of what God has done because gratitude is also a gift of the Holy Spirit. And we desire to do good works when we feel gratitude, to serve the church. Gratitude, after all, is expressed by action. Gratitude is action. The church, as the ark of salvation, is that that we express our gratitude to, because the church has saved us. See, in the early church, the fruits of the Holy Spirit caused this whole blossoming forth of the church. All these manifold gifts that St. Paul talks about, both the gifts of the Spirit and the diversity of the different ministries within the church, all of these came forth from the Holy Spirit, and the people in their gratitude to God expressed their gratitude through the roles that they had within the church. The deacons, the ministers, the preachers, the prophets, those who cared for the poor and the widowed, all of these are ways in which the people expressed their gratitude. Everyone had a part, an essential part in the church. So what about today, 2,000 years after Pentecost, or nearly 2,000 years? Each of us likewise, like those earliest followers of Christ, each of us have received the Holy Spirit. We've had our own personal Pentecost at Chrismation. We were baptized in fire and water. Furthermore, today... And annually, we receive the Holy Spirit through these blessed prayers, the kneeling prayers of Holy Pentecost. And today, as we receive the Holy Spirit, I pray that it inspires us to do good works, to enact the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to express gratitude as an action. There are some in our parish who give their heart to the church. I see some who come almost in secrecy into the church once a week and clean the nave and the narthex. I see others who buy flowers out of their love for God and his mother and the saints and adorn the icons and the iconostasis. I see some who go to grocery stores each week to supply the food that is in the kitchen and that is served each Sunday. I see some who climb a ladder onto the roof to fix holes in the sunlight, the skylight. I see some who have their eyes and ears attuned to the needs of their brothers and sisters in Christ and who know when someone's been gone and know to reach out to them. I see some who rush to fill a need when they see a need, whether it's washing dishes or bagging bread or volunteering with our youth or emptying out coffee urns. But this is not all of us. Now imagine a vision for a moment. You're in a war-torn land. Let's pretend you're in the Ukraine. You're in Odessa on the shore, and all of the land is ravaged by war, and there's one ship in the port. And you go up to that ship trying to get away from this war. And the ship says, I'm sorry, there's no room. But then they reconsider. They say, we can have you on. There is enough room for you. Come aboard the ship. And the ship sails away from all of the terror, all of the war. 
This room that we're in is called the nave, nas. This is the ship, the ark of our salvation. How much we have gratitude in our heart that we are brought out of all of the perils of the world when we come into here, what we receive here in the church. So how is that gratitude expressed in our actions? How is that gratitude expressed in the life of the church here? This is how we have to view the church, as this thing that we are eternally grateful for. Why? Because God has given us the church. He didn't just give himself. What did he give us? He gave us the apostles who received the Holy Spirit, who then brought more into the church through baptism. We have always had the church. And there is no Christ without the church, nor church without Christ. And so here in the life of the church, we express our gratitude to God for everything that he has done. I know we've been through a very difficult time these past two years, and that has profoundly impacted the life of the church. But we, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a matter of our heart. It's a matter of how we see the thankfulness to God and how that pours out from us and pours out from us in so many different ways so that we walk around this church and we say, oh, look at that little piece of paper on the ground. I'll pick that up and throw that away. So that we see our brothers and sisters in Christ and say, oh, I'm not here for my food. I'm here to be with that person because I see on that person's face they need it. This is a very different way for us to look at things. And I know that this is within all of us. I don't say this to chastise us because I know I speak to myself very much in this. But our attitude is informed by the thankfulness in our hearts. And I know we have gratitude in our heads, but we need to have it in our hearts, in our hands, in our feet, in our eyes, in our mouth, in everything that we do. We pray two times within the liturgy, Lord, sanctify those who love the beauty of your house. Two times. And that doesn't quite get at the full meaning because beauty of Frapion is something more. It's an orderedness, that the orderedness is beautiful. And we all are a part of that. We can all be sanctified. We can be blessed, made holy, as the prayer says. We are made holy in that we love the beauty of the church, not just the, the, the beauty in our normal sense of things, but in the way that everything is ordered and placed in its proper place. So on this Pentecost, I pray that the Holy Spirit come upon us, that we have a renewal of our zeal and desire for the whole body of Christ, that we look with the eyes of our heart upon everyone around us and everything around us so that we can all become more united together and express this attitude as action because it's through this that we will be saved. Amen. Let us all say.